We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg. And real cheese folded over the side, looking just so good. Mm-mm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. I participate in McDonald's. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Man Gander. Derek C. Paul with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower, and Eric Schlitt for the Lions Wire. And we're here to discuss this weekend's matchup between the Los Angeles Rams and the Detroit Lions. Before we talk with Eric, we do want to remind you that our pretty much everywhere podcast can be found, including Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all those places. Check it out. We're everywhere. And don't forget, we're also on ivyred.com. They air our shows Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Eric, welcome to the show. Gentlemen, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. 
Thanks for coming on, Eric. Doing good, Derek. All right, so we're going to jump right into it. This is a uh, a bit of a, sh- a short week for for those of us who've been uh, getting over Thanksgiving. So, <laughs> Ugh. How, how do you guys feel for Thanksgiving? Uh, from a personal standpoint, I enjoyed it. I had a nice time with my family. From a professional standpoint, uh, it, they left uh, something to be desired on the table. You know, uh, obviously, they had a game plan uh, going into the going into it, and uh, I thought they executed their game plan pretty well. But they their game plan basically didn't allow for mistakes, and they made two critical ones at the end, and that cost them the game. Well, going into it, how is the team doing after that loss to, to the Bears last last Thursday? How what's the word right now? Well, I mean, this team is the problem with this team is that they don't have consistency. They don't have there's no consistency in, in really any aspect of of what they do, and and that's been a big problem. Uh, they've also had the hit the injury bug really hard. Uh, some of their top offensive players have have gone down. Uh, or been traded away, like with Golden Tate, and so there's it's they have a you know obviously like most teams they have a next man up type of mentality, but um, you know it's disappointing when you have that next person step up and you and you can't execute your game plan the way you want to, and then you end up losing to uh, a division opponent at home on national TV, and so you know. They're going to give you the the standard line here is you know we're just on to the next one on to the next one, uh, but you can tell you know the season is is starting to wear on on the the players a little bit because you know the expectations were they would be competitive they probably weren't ready to take the next step this year, uh, but they've just been so inconsistent that you know the teams that they should be competitive with they're not in the teams that probably are much better than them they've found a way to step up and surprise people but again they can't replicate that on a, on a consistent basis so it's a very up and down uh you know uh season for the line so far but you know when any team is losing there's always kind of a subdued atmosphere i guess well, Matthew Stafford went 28 of 38 passing against the Bears, but didn't have any touchdowns, and at the end of the game had two interceptions. Is he struggling right now, or is he doing okay? Well, you know, he is – they've really uh, had to alter the game plan because when they traded Golden State away, that was uh, obviously a big loss because they lacked the skill players to get separation, which was a real – was very noticeable that the game after golden was, was traded. Um, when they adjusted to, you know, the following game, they went to the run game, but then, uh, TJ Lang gets injured and then TJ Lang ends up on IR. Then Marvin Jones gets injured. And so now you're down to only one receiver that is really has any, you know, experience and is really an NFL starter. Then carry on Johnson, your starting running back, the guy who's been producing, all year for you. Now he goes down, and 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 so you've basically taken all almost all but one of the skill players away from Matthew Stafford. And so, with the skill players struggling to get open, and the and the offensive line uh, struggled against some of the better pass rushing teams, they changed their game plans, opting to more of a, a quick pass, get the ball out, and you know, kind of dink and dunk your way down the field. And that's not that's really not where Matthew Stafford is. Um, successful he is more of a 
you know, he gets this kind of gunslinger mentality, even though he's he's gotten more cerebral over the years. But you've taken away options for him, and they've uh, really had to cut the playbook down considerably in order to adjust to some of their deficiencies. And he has he has not been able to respond the way that he has in the past. So, yeah, he's struggling. Uh, you know, I don't think it's a terribly down year. I mean, overall, statistically, it's not going to be what we've seen in the past. And his some of his decision making has has uh, seen, you know, some errors that we aren't accustomed to in, in Detroit here. But he has such limited options right now that while it does it's easy to put a lot all, all the blame on him i don't think it's really all on him there's there's the play calling has been really just in, it, it's been very predictable it's not been very creative and uh that has really aided to this uh you know inconsistency that we've seen on offense okay so that brings a lot of questions to me the <laughs> one that comes to mind here this morning i wake up i'm getting my morning coffee, getting ready for work, and I look at the sports page over at Yahoo Sports, and on the front page it has this, this article from Eric Allison basically saying, stating Matthew Stafford looks nothing like an elite quarterback and, and challenging the idea that he's worth the money he's being paid. Is sure. that criticism valid at this point, or is is it unfair to really go at him based on all the injuries and so on and so forth? You know, I, I read that article too, and there was there was some there was a lot of cherry picking on the stats. You know, like any stats, you 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 can sell your agenda in any any way you want if you just find the right stats. And and the article was sold as Matthew Stafford hasn't made anyone better. And when you look at the players from that have come in from previous organizations, like Golden Tate, like Marvin Jones, he has elevated their play. And to say that he had, while he has, I think, you know, taken a step back and there's all these factors that go into it, it's, it's hard to put it all on him. And I think it's unfair to put it all on him because he's not calling the plays. He, while the team has this design of throwing the ball five yards down the field, that's not really where his strengths are, but he's, that's what he's being asked to do. And that, that's the plays that he's, he's executing. It's worked well, but for example, the the play where uh, on Thanksgiving, I think most people you know that watch football probably saw that game on Thanksgiving, and and the interception that he threw that went the pick six um, at the uh, at, in the fourth quarter when the when the game was tied. Um, the Blairs the Bears showed blitz, and when they showed blitz, uh, he had a hot route. The tight end to the flat was the hot route, and so. He snapped it, took two steps, and then and then tried to hit the hot route. And then it was a brilliant play by uh, Eddie Jackson to undercut it. It was a really challenging play, but Eddie Jackson made a great play, and credit goes to him. But he's being asked if this is the scenario, this is the execution that you're supposed to do. And he and so while he maybe he could have checked it off or maybe he could have made adjustments, he's also being put in situations where he's not able to be as successful. So I do think it's unfair to say, you know, he's he's losing some of his status as a, as a quarterback in the NFL. Um, and as far but as far as money goes, I mean, it's a quarterback league. Quarterback the the next quarterback up is always going to be the mo- the richest, right? So, I think it his his money is insignificant insignificant in the, in the conversation. But I think his status is probably taking a hit this year. But again, 
I think a lot of it has to do with the the factors around him as well as some of his decision making. Well, and a lot of times, you know, when you have a new head coach come in, things can change. I mean, in our case, you know, we went from the seven and nine bullshit to, <laughs> you know, 12 and four. So that's great. But in your guys' case, you know, is a four and seven start what the fans expected from head coach Matt Patricia? No, I, I'm, you know, and you got to remember, we were coming from Jim Caldwell. So Jim Caldwell had a couple of nine and seven seasons in, uh, in, the, in the previous two before he was let go. So the talent was there, but the defense got a complete overhaul. And it obviously, it, as much as the fans wanted it to be ready to go, this was something where switching from a one-gap to a two-gap system, was, the players, they it almost changed over every position. It, it's startling how many, if you look at the rosters from this year to last year, how different it is. Um, but from an offensive standpoint, they, they, the reason that they kept Jim Bob Cooter was because the offense was, be, was consistently good. The issue has been that was supposed to be the strength of the team, and it was supposed to carry the team during the transition. And when the offense has struggled, that's when everything has kind of fallen apart around it. I just want to back up a moment because hearing you talk about the article, I got to say that the, the Allison article kind of ticked me off. And you, <laughs> you made you made the point because, you know, we're a Rams podcast, but we love football. And we've mm-hmm. seen Stafford play quite a bit, especially on Thanksgiving. And we know the kind of competitor he is. And from my point of view, the reason why the Lions are 9-7 in those seasons largely are on Stafford's shoulders. Sure. I just look at that and go, are you kidding me? He made other players. The Lions have had no running game for years leading into this year. Ten. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, ten, right? <laughs> so I look at that and go, this is nuts. But yet, because they're struggling, because I just don't understand. I think if you put Stafford on the Rams at quarterback, which, by the way, I'm happy with Goff. <laughs> I'm just making sure. the point. I think he's doing great. And so, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, it's why – it's why you hear, I, I agree with you. I, staff, it's a very much a, what have you done for me lately type of league, right? What people even overlooking this season is that he had a bad game and a half to start the season. It's terrible against the Jets. One of his worst games I've ever seen him play in 10 years. Started the, the first half of San Francisco really bad, but then turned it around in the second half of that game. And then he went on a five game stretch where he was, uh, his quarterback rating was over 100. It was uh, he had, it was like no one else had done that in, in the league at the time, and he was like the leading guy. And then the team starts losing again, and then it's, oh my gosh, it's Stafford's fault. Let's throw him under the butt. Like we forget that weeks three, you know, through eight, he was really good, and he was playing at a very high level. But you know, the last four weeks have been so almost soul crushing for fans that we've just seen loss after loss after loss that. The uh, the fans have really started to turn on you know every they want to point the finger at everybody and and Stafford being the quarterback is going to get the brunt of it. Well, are they pointing the, the finger at Patricia right now or are they being oh, yeah, patient abs- with him? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's people that want him gone. I'm, you, the last time we talked, we talked about the incident in uh, South Padre, mm-hmm. and we talked about how that rubbed people the wrong way, and that created a real riff with between him and the media and there's been certain members of the media who have realized that the story has no ending and there's nothing that can come of it and there's no new information and they have to just move on and do their job. And then there's other members of the media that have 
not let it go and they've gotten petty and they've and they've made you know difficult decisions in how they're reporting things and and it's created a real uh imbalance in in in, in between how fans are viewing the team and how fans view the media and and right now when you're losing I mean, it's fans are pointing at the media. Fans are pointing at Patricia. Fans want Stafford traded. They want Jim Bob Cooter fired. They, everybody's everybody's getting yelled at except, um, you know, guys like Carrion Johnson and Kenny Galladay who are who are performing on uh, on offense right now. Well, speaking of your offense, you guys are ranked twenty third this season so far in total offense. The Rams' defense is ranked twentieth. I mean, obviously, the game last well two weeks ago against KC kind of kind of changed yeah. our ranking a little bit. So, sure. uh, how do you see Detroit's offense doing against the Rams? Well, I think it's going to struggle, and I think because of the things that I, I talked about uh, with their approach to the Bears was they're they've now moved Marvin Jones to injured reserve, so you're now missing Marvin Jones and Golden Tate off of this offense. So you you're now left with Kenny Galladay and TJ Jones and Bruce Ellington. Those are your starting receivers. Bruce Ellington was a uh, free agent three weeks ago, and TJ Jones has been a career wide receiver for. That's your options at receiver. They went light on tight end this offseason because they were hoping to utilize the running game and their wide receivers. Well, now your wide receiver unit is cut in third. You've got a third of it left. And the tight ends really have not evolved any, and so they're still a problem. And your top running back, who was really carrying this uh, team to success, is injured and, and might not play. So now you're on to LeGarrette Blunt, who had a terrific game against the Bears. But the month prior to that, he averaged 0.7 yards a carry. Okay, so he might have been the answer on Thanksgiving. But again, it's it's a consistency thing. I don't know if LeGarrette Blunt can add stability to this offense. And when your only option in the receiving game is Kenny Galladay, it's going to be a problem. And, you know, the line has, the offensive line has done better to hold up and give Stafford more time uh, in recent weeks, but they really don't have the options. And unless they can find a way to get separation and unless they can find uh, skill players to step up, uh, I think this offense is trending in the wrong direction. You mentioned the tight ends. I, I remember when the Lions let Eric Ebron go. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, why? he? I know he had his issues there. It didn't live up to expectations, but he, there's still talent. Who are you going to replace him with? And now he, weeks later <laughs> in the season, mm-hmm. they have problems there. Was it a mistake at this point, hindsight being 2020, or did he still need to go? Uh, there were multiple reasons why he was let go. Uh, one of them being, uh, I don't think he got along well with the front office. Uh, I heard there were there were whispers about him being a problem in the locker room and uh, the the front office not liking some of the entitlement that he uh, you know he thought he deserved and that then he also had a huge cap number uh, that he had the nine million dollar cap number and their tight ends collectively as a group aren't even close to that so from a financial standpoint. He was going to be the plan uh, going into the season was he would have been the fourth or fifth option on this offense behind the three receivers and potentially even Theo Riddick in, in the running game because you know, out of the backfield, he's a, he's a really good weapon. But if he was going to be the fourth or fifth option 
and he was requiring $9 million and he was not getting along with the front office. They made the decision to move on from him uh, because they thought that's what's best for them. Now he's in a better situation in uh, Indianapolis and he's succeeding, then that's great. But I don't think if he stayed in Detroit, he would have had the same level of success that he's having with the Colts right now. Well, we talked about offense. So your guys' uh, defense is ranked 13th, and the Rams' offense is ranked 2nd. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the Rams have, have done pretty well this year offensively. How do you think uh, Detroit's going to do on defense against the Rams? Uh, so Detroit's defensive game plan is very simple. They try and stop the run first, and then they try to play the pass second, and they try to prevent the big play. So they will uh, position themselves with multiple defensive backs on the field, and they will try to keep the ball in front of them and prevent the big play. Now, the running game was terrible at the beginning of the season. They were getting gashed for massive yards. Uh, They were, I think after the first two weeks, they had given up 200 more yards than anybody else any other team in the league. So they were so far behind in the run game. They were ranked 32nd for a long time. Now the run game has, the run defense has slowly improved. And then when they acquired snacks, Harrison, it went from being improved to being very, very good. And we, we've seen a big shift in their ability to uh, defend the run. Like for example, the last couple weeks we've, seen them hold teams to uh, 54, 56, and 38 yards. Uh, the average rush against them has been like two and a half yards uh, for against the Bears both weeks. And then against Carolina, it was uh, they held them to three and a half yards. So they've really found uh, a way to stop the run when it comes, which has really been their, their number one priority with the addition of, uh, of uh, Snacks Harrison. So stopping the run has been a really big improvement. They're up to 19 now, and to go from 32nd up to 19 when you're so far behind at 32 at the beginning of the season, I think really speaks to how much work they've put into improving that area. Conversely, with the uh, run defense improving, We've seen the pass coverage uh, go trend in the other direction. Darius Slay has been uh, a good corner, as you know he has historically been, but the spot opposite him has been a turnstile. It's been really difficult for them to find a good cornerback too that can be consistent. And then their nickelback uh, Jamal Agnew, who's also their, their Pro Bowl punt returner, uh, he was injured and he's on injured reserve right now. So they lost their nickel. They uh, are struggling at that opposite corner, and so they've made adjustments to try and compensate that with multiple safeties, and the safeties are struggling in coverage as well. So right now their their best option is Darius Slay, and then they, you'll, they will utilize Nevin Lawson on the other side, and when they want to go to like a nickel set, like obviously the, the Rams use a lot of three wide receiver sets when they want to use that. Uh, Lawson will move into the nickel, and then an undrafted rookie, uh, Mike Ford, is the guy who's starting at corner. Now, he's improving, but he's only seen a couple games of uh, actual live bullets here, so he's there's still a learning curve with him as well. So the secondary is very vulnerable. Glover Quinn, who's been historically uh, such a, a consistent player, and, and he's been so valuable, uh, he has lost a step, and his play has really declined 
we see youth on the team uh, that offers speed, but the youth isn't ready to fully play. So they're kind of in this flux area where the secondary is really having a problem. Uh, so it's very, it's very much flipped from what it was at the beginning of the season. I do think their focus is going to be to stop Todd Gurley. Uh, and, and I think Goff can end up throwing for 400 yards on him, though. So it's, uh, it's, from a run game standpoint, I think that's where their priority is going to be uh, taking Gurley out of the play and putting the ball in, in Goff's hands. Because I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't know if that's even a good solution for them, but that's what I believe their game plan will be. Well, a couple of quick follow ups to that question from Norm. The pass rush, I, I saw <laughs> what you guys did against the Bears there. You know, matching <laughs> up the, the Rams' bookends, their, their tackles, especially Whit- Whitworth. Who's been a rock for us for two years? He's starting to show a little bit of age. He's he's, mm-hmm. he's he's starting to show it. Where is that Lions pass rush against this Rams offensive line? And then also part two is what are you going to do? How are you going to match up with the Rams tight ends? The Rams have been using their tight ends more, especially with yeah. Cooper Cup out. That's kind of what I'm on now. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you know, in the KC game, you could see how they split Everett out. Right. And they, mm-hmm. and so what, uh, so let me go back to the first part for the pass rush first. So the Lions are not, uh, they're not a team that's just going to pin their ears back. They're, they're more of a run first, uh, defense first, but they try and scheme pass rush, but they rarely blitz. So they typically will only bring four guys and the, their mentality is that run first, except they'll try and bring one guy, uh, hard when they can. Ans has been hurt the entire year, uh, and he's just now coming back from his shoulder injury from week one. And last week, he got 50%. He was on the field 50% of the snaps, and that was a season high by a lot. Like, he doubled his season total in uh, in snaps. So if they're going to get a pass rush, it's going to be uh, Ansa against Whitworth. That's where the pass rush would, would come from. But how much Ansa plays is the big question mark. It's been increasing, but will he see 50% of the snaps? That's a possibility. Could he go up to 75? I don't know. I, I Probably not. Um, behind him is Romeo Aquara, who's good, but he's not Ansa. And they really don't have another guy on that defensive line that's that really thrives in pass rush. Now, they, they've been able to generate it by getting pushed up the middle. And Deshaun Hand, the rookie uh, out of Alabama, he, he is probably their best interior pass rusher. And But, again, it's it's a, it's a run-first team. So I, I I was watching the the KC game and looking at the time that Goff had in them, and I was thinking to myself, I don't know how short of Ziggy playing a full at full capacity. I'm not sure how uh, – He's not just going to sit back and just start throwing uh, balls all over the field on, on the lines as well, because it's going to be really challenging for them to to scheme uh, players, you know, into that uh, into that pass rushing role. But like I said, it, it, it's possible. Um, as far as covering the tight ends, what they've done is they've converted uh, Quandre Diggs, who's been a nickelback for a long time, into a safety role, and he alternates between. Uh, they're free safety, which is typically uh, a single high safety, and, and he will alternate to strong safety, and then he will also alternate into a nickel corner. What they do is they've used him to cover tight ends in the past, 
but they did a shift last game where they started using Deshaun Shedd, who's a corner over the tight ends. Uh, he had the uh, punch out uh, fumble. Uh, if you remember in the Lions game on Thanksgiving, he punched the ball out uh, kind of like peanut Tillman used to do all the time. And then Jerry Davis picked it up and ran it like 20 yards uh, back. But so Shedd was covering the tight end in that situation. And he's, he's got more length and he's got more, a little bit more speed, but Diggs is really the hitter. So it's it's going to be either Diggs or Shed. And if they put two tight ends out there, it'll probably, it could be both. But it'll really just depend on the, the type of uh, defensive uh, scheme, I guess, they're looking at. Because Shed is normally only on the field 25% of the time. So when Shed's on the field, he'll probably be covering the tight end. But on those times when he's not, it'll probably be Diggs. And... So they're so it's they've kind of got this hybrid corner safety type guy that they'll be deploying over the tight end, and I think that's just going to be their their game plan to try and take them away. That's it's seemingly what they've done most of the year, um, and they've been all right this this against the tight ends this year. They've they've struggled in in a, in a few games, but um, you know overall I think they've done okay. I, I'm more worried about the receivers than I am than I am the tight ends, even though I do think the tight ends can be a, a matchup problem the way that the, the Rams utilize them. Well, with all that being said, why don't we make some predictions on the game and let you get back to your family? <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, gosh, you know what's the the spread's like nine and a half at this point. Uh, I believe, and I, I don't think that's probably far off. I'm, I, I'm not sure how the Lions will score more than 20, and uh, if they, they can't score more than 20, I think they're in, uh, in trouble. And the Rams, I think, could probably put up 30. So I think a 30 to 20 score is realistic, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if it was uh, a bigger spread than that. I I think this is going to be this is a matchup that favors the Rams in almost every every area uh so it, it, it's a, it's unfortunate because i i picked the lions to win last week and you know i i usually i can usually find the optimism in in these uh in these games and look for ways that i i think they can win but i think the rams are just too strong right now and uh i think that's you know uh, a good you know they're just playing at such a high level and they're getting guys back and i i, I think I think the the ten point or nine and a half point spread is is probably accurate. Derek, well, it's weird to me. I can I can think of one game in the last twenty years where the Rams have you know blown out Detroit. Detroit always plays the Rams tough. I, I I'm a little weird about the team coming off the bye as well. We'll talk about that once, Eric. Uh, <laughs> hangs up but you know, there's, you know they had the whole week off last week so I don't know you're going to find I think the Rams are better on turf They're, I mean this is a fast team so being on turf is going to be helpful to them but I'm going to go Rams 35-20 I'm close to where he is where is Norm well I'm pretty close to you Derek I was going 34-17 uh, I think I think it's going to be one of those games where the Rams put up 34 and you don't quite know exactly how they did it. You know, we've had some of those games in the past where it's like we didn't play that well and we still put up 34. So I think it's going to be like that. I think uh, we're going to see Aqib Tlaib back 
uh, I don't know how much we'll get to see him play, but I'm hoping that uh, he'll make a difference too. So that would be my score. You know, if it makes you feel better, um, the the Lions usually play very good against against uh, good teams. So I mean, you got to remember. I mean, they beat the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm, they did. They beat the Dolphins. They beat the the Packers, who are really have taken a step back. But they beat the Panthers too. I mean. But then they've lost games to the, the Jets in San Francisco. And, you know, so it's, <laughs> they do beat good teams. So I, I do think, like uh, like Derek said, it, it could be competitive, but I think there's just too many. I think you guys are probably closer to the, the final score than I am because uh, I just think there's too, many, there's too many things going right for the Rams right now, and there's too many things heading in the wrong direction for the Lions. The Lions, uh, they just – it just seems like there's there's so many uh, bad flips of the coin right now for them. Well, Eric, we do want to thank you so much for coming to the show. You always bring good insight. You brought a lot of good stuff today as well. Uh, can you can you tell people where they can find you? Yeah, um, if you want to find me on social media, I am on Twitter. Uh, it's at e r i k s c h l i t t. Uh, I also write for the Lions Wire, which is uh, part of the USA Today social media group, and it's at um, would be lionswire.com. You just Google that if you want. There's also a Twitter handle for that and a Facebook for that as well. Um, yeah, we you know I do a lot of draft stuff, and uh, so we were in Detroit here with a four and seven record. Uh, the fans are really starting to crave it. So if you're interested in the draft, I, I do do a lot of draft profiles and we do a lot of stuff on, on the site as well. So uh, if you're a Rams fan and, and you're not interested in, in the lions per se, there's, there's always going to be some good draft stuff going on over at our lions wire site as well. And we'll probably have you back on the talk draft as we get closer to the off season yeah, as well. Absolutely. Definitely. All thanks, right, guys. Thanks Eric. It's good. Been good talking to you, buddy. Thanks so much. Thanks Eric. So much. We'll be talking to you soon. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Bye-bye guys. You know, Norm, earlier uh, in the podcast that we I put up earlier this week, I, I mentioned that I I don't sleep on the Lions. This is the team that's that has beaten the Patriots this year. They beat the Panthers at home. I, I just don't see. You know, the Lions just always one. They always play well at home, and two, they're tough. That's a tough team. They have their <clears> issues, <throat> but, they're, but they're tough. I well, I just I just hope you're not bad luck because we're going to the game. So oh, good gosh, I know. It's like I can't. I can't wait. I, you know, this year will be our only our game, only game to get, get to go to, you know, live next year. I think we have three in the docket: the Browns, Steelers, and now the Panthers. Since you're moving there, so I'm pretty stoked about that. I well, am, if, if you are bad luck, I'm just going to grab him by the seat of his pants and throw him out of the stadium, go back in and watch a game. So don't worry about that, I, buddy. I think that's a felony. I'm that's just okay. saying. That's okay. You know, that what, what's another? Just what's another? Go one? down as attempted murder. What's another one? <laughs> I'm sure we can find something else for you to commit. Okay, before we move on, we do want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk. He's been amazing for us. Here's Jim Hawk with his book, Hollywood's Team. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. 
The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at HollywoodsTeam.com and on Twitter at HollywoodsTeam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form on Amazon on Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood's Team through various other booksellers on the net. Everyone, I've read this book cover to cover. So as Norm and Johnny. It's well worth every penny for all Rams fans out there. But it's also a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, folks, trust me. Check it out. Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth it. All right, so moving on, Norm, it's it's we're heading down this stretch. You know, it's like Kentucky Derby. You're heading to that final turn here. And we got, got some good stuff coming. Akeem Tlaib is back. How you feeling about that? Well, if he's back to full strength and can play like he normally does, I'm feeling really awesome about that. So we'll have to wait and see, you know, how much playing time he gets. And uh, they've been – They've talked a little bit about it this week, but they've they've been pretty quiet about it as well. So as far as the team goes, you know, how's he doing? Is he up to full speed? So really, I guess we'll have to see that firsthand and see how he's doing. But, you know, even if he's 80, 90 percent, that's still probably better than some of the corners that we have. So I'm excited to see him back and I'm hoping that he can come back and make an immediate impact. Well, I think folks forget with him teamed up with Marcus Peters in those first couple games of the year, nobody was thrown on them. Nobody. They were dominant. And I, yeah, you're right. He's, I don't think he's going to be 100%. But if they can just get 85 90%, just to, and his leadership in the field as well, I, that's going to make a big difference. That secondary has been struggling with communication all year. You've pointed that out numerous times. You've looked at film and seen that. I, I just think he's a stabilizing force overall. And that's going to make a huge difference as we head down that stretch run in that secondary, which we've talked about, man. It's struggled. It's really struggled. Struggled more than we thought it would. Well, he's like having another coach on the field. He knows the, the he knows Wade Phillips' defense so well. I mean, several times in the last few games, if, if you've been watching the sidelines when they pan to it, and Phillips is getting ready to make his defensive calls, and you can see Tlaib peek his head around the corner and listen to the call so he can see what it is. So having him out there – on the field is like having another Wade Phillips out there. And, you know, I don't think there's going to be as much confusion. He'll be able to tell people where to go if they need help. And, you know, if he can play even close to what his normal 100% is, it's going to make a big difference. And and if that's the case, then I'm hoping it'll help us with the run game and everything else. And, you know, after a bye, everybody should be feeling good. And, you know, if we can just stay healthy this this last part of this, you know, the stretch here, uh, we could be back to a full strength to keep to leave and, and a healthy team come playoff time. I think we're going to be looking pretty good at that point. And don't knock on wood with that though. We could hope for that. I don't want to talk about it to be honest with you. And he, <laughs> I'm not, you're the only to be one. That, you're the only one that jinxed the team though. Yeah. So well, what, how did I jinx the team? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> you talked about how good our corner depth was and then look what happened. Oh, you know, I was just thinking that too. We had, I, and I really believe that. I thought it was the deepest position group in the league entering the season. And you put all those names 
in front of you, and to me, it's easy to see why, but it hasn't really lived up to that, has it? it as a matter of fact, I was just talking about in the last show, the question asked about, you know, who's coming back next year, who's not coming back, and a player I'm looking at is a guy who, who I'm thinking won't be back next year is LaMarcus Joyner. He's gonna, yeah, he's, I, I don't think he's coming back because I don't think he's worth the money that they're going to want to pay or he's going to want to get paid. And it's a different story, though. If he played up to last year's standard, we're having a different conversation. But he has not lived up to that contract this year. So Honestly, I think that uh, I think that Johnson's played better than he has. Man, what a home run draft pick he was, too, man. Yep. So I mean, And he has. And the thing is, is the only difference, though, that makes him at least some guy you have to consider being worth the money is how versatile Marcus Joyner is. He's When he's on, he's a great free safety. And he can also still move out, you know, and into corner as well. So I can see why the Rams would want to pay him the money. But franchise value, I'm still... And he said he has five games. He, I'm stopping that thought because I'm thinking he has five games to turn it around. And maybe with Tlaib in the lineup, he does. Maybe he does. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. You know, also, we're coming back here to the bye week. I just got a hold of the, the press clippings for Sean McVay's conference on the first day back and mentions that the team was off last week. And I was thinking, my first thought was, well, that's nice. They can go home and do the family. They've earned it. They definitely needed the bye. But the other thought that creeps up in my mind is, geez, oh, peace. They had a lot of work to do, especially the defense. And they took the whole week off. You're you are a former football player. You've been there and done that. Where do you stand on the bye week? Is there going to be a hangover? Will they be able to fix some of these things or not? Well, because of the fact that it's late in the season, I think it's not going to affect them as much because at this point they really needed the break, and it came during a good time. They got to be home for the holidays with their family. They just came off an emotional win with Kansas City and all the fire and the shooting and, you know, all that stuff. Things have been real stressful and kind of crazy around L.A. And so getting that by at that time, letting them go home to their family, letting them get some some rest and heal up. I think it's the perfect time to fix a lot of things because they're going to come back refreshed and, and ready to, you know, pay attention and listen and and learn to where if you were tired and still stressed and going through all that stuff still, you're, you might not be as, you might not be more, you know, you want to be like a sponge and, and taking everything you can. And, you know, when that sponge has been, <laughs> been full quite a bit and you haven't made much room, you know, for new information, it's kind of tough. So I think it came at the perfect time. I think they're going to come back refreshed and ready to play. And, you know, the difference too is, Look at their record. You know, they're in a good position right now. It'd be different if they were, you know, like six and three or six and four or five and four and one or, you know, like all these other teams are uh, in the NFC. They're in a good position. They should be feeling good. They just had a good break with their family. You know, all that stress has kind of been relieved a little bit. They should be healthy. They're getting one of their best players back. I really think they're going to come out and play well. They'll they'll have to knock some rust off like any other team would, but I think overall it's going to do them some good and they'll be fine. Yeah, I'm expecting that first quarter in Detroit to be a little bit rusty. 
I mean, that's just human nature. I'm thinking, though, overall, you, you mentioned, geez, what if they go that by? You mentioned it. And they're 6-5 and five instead of 10-1, and one, or 5-6, and six, or even 7-4. and four, And they've been through all they've been through. At ten and one, they have they have a two game edge on Chicago right now for for the second seed. They're tied with New Orleans for the first seed. It, it, they're in the driver's seat, and defensively, I look at how they're built compared to the defenses they're about. Sorry, offenses they're about to face, and nothing really scares me. That brings us to the next part too: is the thoughts on the remaining schedule. Right now, it's Detroit. Which, again, I can't stress this enough. Do not overlook this game. Do not, folks. We Detroit is better than the record indicates. They have some problems, but they're better than the record indicates. Then we have Chicago at night. In Chicago. In, in December. That is going to be tough. It might be the, the, the It could be their most physical game of the year. Well, and then you're going to have the Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald matchup that you know was supposed to happen at the beginning of the year, and now it's happening now yeah, on yeah. on two good teams. It means a lot more, you know, who was worth getting paid more, that kind of stuff. You're going to hear a lot of that during that week. And we're going to have that debate, you know, next week with that game, and we're going to have our our buddy over there from from uh, the Bears Bros on to talk about that. And I just look at this, you know, that game and think, okay, that's that's a problem game. A year ago, well, not a year ago, eight nine months ago, when the schedule was announced, I wouldn't have been worried about this game. Now I am. The well, it's game. just the opposite because the Eagles. After that, we were yeah. we were worried about, and now I'm not so worried about the Eagles. I'm I'm concerned. I think the Eagles will probably come into that game seven and six, maybe six. It just depends on the Cowboys game before that. But the Eagles will be playing for their playoff lives at that point. Desperate teams will sometimes pull off some great things, and you know, the Eagles fans showed up last year in Los Angeles. So there, to me, there is still a lot of talent in that team. The one difference to me is that their running game is still eh, and that's what they really need to be successful. Well, their their secondary is decimated. So I mean, we should we should light them up, you know, with passing. So I, I'm really not I'm really not worried about that. I mean, they've had some really bad luck with with uh, their secondary for sure, and then they follow up with the Cardinals and the 49ers. So. You know, the bear. Uh, you're right. We shouldn't look past the Detroit game, but right now the only game that's left on the schedule that really concerns me at all is the Bears. I look at that game with the Bears and think that that's going to be tough. We're going to learn. I I say this a lot, especially when the when the Rams are challenged. The Saints game, I mentioned it online and on social media. A couple of games this year, we're going to find out a lot about this Rams team and that Bears game. We're going to find a lot about them mentally. And every time we talk about that, we're going to find a lot about them. They tend to live up to the mental challenge. They really do. They they were behind with the Saints. They came back, tied it up. And I don't think anybody expected them to come back and tie it up. They were down by 20 points. 21 points, wasn't it? 21 points? And all of a sudden, they made a game that almost could have and probably should have won that game at the end. I just look at the challenge. We're going to find out a lot, a lot about that team. But also now we have to start turning our heads a little bit and watching the Saints because home field advantage has become a factor. The Saints have the edge because they're of their victory over us. And the Saints do have a little bit of a tougher schedule on the road. And, and depending on what the Saints do, we'll see what the Rams do. Will the Rams bench players 
against Arizona and, and San Francisco at the end of the year like they did last year? Or are they going to play this one through trying to get home field? That's... Yeah, I'm not going to pay any attention to New Orleans right now. I, you know, I learned a long time ago that you can only you can only take care of what you can take care of, and we can't do anything about what New Orleans is doing. So it, <clears throat> we just watch them <clears throat> as far as seeing you know, what their record is and and go according to that. If they continue to win and they win out, we're gonna probably going to have to continue to win out unless McVay's confident that he can go back to New Orleans in the NFC Championship game and beat him. And that would be a tall order. It's been done before. I mean, it's been and, done. And I think I think we're one of the teams that could do it. I mean, we we showed that when we played them there earlier. But you know, this test this test against the Bears and in, in, at Soldier Field, you know, and then going to Detroit and playing there. You know, those are those are two away games that aren't going to be easy. So we'll see how they fare from these, and then you know we can worry about the Eagles and all that later. But. Right now, it's going to be the bear or the, the lions. And uh, are, are you going to are you going to shave your beard off? Or are you going to keep it for the game? I'm keeping this baby, dude. Yeah, me too. So we are going to be at the lions game, and you know there'll be this one shorter, ugly guy, and he'll have a beard, and then there'll be this tall, handsome guy with a beard wearing a young blood throwback jersey. So look for us there and say hi. Well, short, ugly guy. I kind of I'm thinking of. The dude who played Gimli from the Lord of the Rings. That's what I'm thinking of when you say short think, guy. I was thinking more like uh, Gollum. <laughs> well, Go- Gollum didn't have a beard, though. I know, but if you, put a, if, you, if you put a beard on Gollum, that'd be well, there. they wear my throwback, too, and be like, my precious. But <laughs> I just... Okay, folks. We have to give our shout-out to our sponsor, Sal Martinez at the Golden Ram Barbershop. He's been amazing for us. Here we go. Now it's time to give a shout out to our longtime sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like that old school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day that they left for St. Louis and has kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows that we sent you to get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. It's it's like a shrine to the Rams, like a Hall of Fame to the Rams in a barbershop. But it, Sal also provides that really nice old-school barbershop experience, talking Rams football and more. Trust me, folks, you won't regret it. Sal even managed to make me, Derek, and Johnny look good and appear, well, somewhat normal. Hold on a minute. I'm here in the end of that of our, our spot there with Sal, and you said looking well normal. And you just compared me to freaking Gollum. Well, yeah, but you looked you... worse than that before you went to Sal's, so... Freaking Gollum, dude! <laughs> Corrupted with with like five hundred years of having the ring on that the, the ring of power on his. What the heck, man! You'll 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 all see what I you'll all see what I mean. When you see him in person, you all see what I mean. 
No, I, I prefer the heroic stance of Gimli with his axe. <laughs> Chucking down orcs. I'm showing my nerd side. Mike, what's wrong with you? Gosh. No. <laughs> Jeez. Almost like you're like, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, I'm thinking of Lord of the Rings. I'm thinking of you and the trolls. The big troll that turned the stone. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Well, there is no doubt about it. I'm 6'4 and well over 300 pounds wearing a young blood jersey with a big beard. You, you can't miss me. So even if you miss Derek, you can't miss me. So come say hi to us and let us know you listen. Yeah, please do. If you're there, if not, we'll we'll have a podcast up soon after. Um, it's going to be a fun experience for us to be there. A good chance to watch a team on the road. No distractions, no commercials, just us watching the game. And uh, we're looking forward to giving the road's eye view. All right. Also, before we go, folks, we do want to ask you, if you are looking to advertise, looking to sponsor, we really appreciate it. We would love to have you, actually. Email us, ramstalk1945 at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. I said it a little fast. I'm saying it again slower because I'm special. I need to slow down. ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. We have a media kit ready to go. And I was running the numbers today, and it blew my mind. I, I keep talking about the numbers. We've actually increased our listenership by 12,500% since September 1st of last year. Well, you're a, you're a teacher, so I'll take your word for it, even I, uh, though you don't teach math. Well, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's <laughs> weird because during a break, I walked over to the STEM room and brought my numbers with me and actually had the STEM teacher work out the math <laughs> because I'm like, I, I, I can't be doing this right. I'm doing this completely wrong. And 12,500% increase in our listenership. And folks, one that's, that's really wonderful. Thank you for trusting us to provide Rams content for you. Thank you for, uh, and you know, for just showing up and listening. It's weird now that I'll, I'll, put a podcast out at night and I'll wake up the next morning and I'm like, Oh my gosh, who's listening to us at three o'clock in the morning? Well, some people are, and it's, it's humbling to see that, um, you share in that passion for Rams football with us. You share in that love for the team. And as we see this fan base in Los Angeles grow, as we saw in the Kansas city game, we're seeing our show grow and, you know, we really appreciate it. So from our, um, from our house here, we just passed it Thanksgiving. We're thankful for you. Thank you very much, and I deeply appreciate that. So, Yes, sir. Anything you want to add to that, since you're being a smart you-know-what today? <laughs> no, I just, you know, looking forward to going to Detroit again. If you're a Rams fan in Detroit and you're at the game, look for us. And, uh, you know, let's uh, let's go there and keep the, keep the run going and uh, get a win. Is there one thing, just as we're, one more question, just as we get ready to close up shop here. Is there one thing that you really want to see from this game? One, just, if there's anything, one thing you want to see. Yeah, our defense actually play well. That's the only thing I've been worried about all season. So if we can, if we can hold them under 20 and keep them under 100 rushing and under 300 passing, I'd be thrilled. In, I, for me, I have to confess, this one is the one that's mine every week. And I don't want to knock on wood, but there's a certain somebody who leads this offense 
that I'm just scared that one day we're going to see a play and that person's not going to get up. I'm not going to say the name. I don't want to knock on wood. But there's always that background fear that our dream season will end because that person gets hurt. So that's what I'm looking out for. I am. I do want us that defense. So I hate to beat. Does that, does that kind of set a bad tone to end the show? Of course it does. Dag now. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> okay. That's why I'm not saying names. But I think it's with any fan, really. You don't want to see that one guy who's like the linchpin who holds together go down. And um, in the turf there, I, that's my hope, though. The reality, I'm looking for the Rams. What I'm hoping for is the Rams get in there, blow this team off the ball, and get a comfortable win so they can chew out clock the rest of the way. I would love to see Malcolm Brown riding the football in the fourth quarter. Well, we should be the healthiest that we've been since we started having injuries in the beginning of the season right now. So, you know, hopefully that's the case and we go out there and, you know, we play hard and play physical and just hammer it home. So there you go, guys. I mean, I hope I didn't. Hope I didn't just tick a couple people off. That's not my attention. Anyways, don't that's all right. I'll, I'll slap. I'll slap him before the game, guys. Don't worry Man, about it. What is with you and assault today? My it's, God, it's it's normal. I I'm gonna slap you anyways, regardless. So you know, it's, I almost feel like I'm the the beat next girlfriend. What's wrong with you? Well, you need to see. Well, you want to be my little bitch? Is that what you're saying? No, no I. <laughs> Man, what I'm saying is we might need to get you psychiatric help, okay? Oh, no, I'm good. It's only you. Uh, everybody else I'm nice to. So, folks, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Norm at Norm Hightower when he occasionally logs in to tweet, to tweet something. I don't really pay attention to him. Don't forget now you see slapping. Stitcher, <laughs> SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, all those places. Of course, Ivy Rare, they always do a great job for us. For Norm Hightower, this is Derek C. Apollo. Take it easy. We are on our way to Detroit. Derek, rest in peace. Everybody else, adios. type of drama. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of the lake is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.